My face is the front of shop. My face is the real shop front. My shop is the face I front. I'm real when I shop my face. So welcome everyone to episode four of Bit Sesh. I'm here as my with my guest, Theo Goodman. Thank you for joining us, Theo. Thank you for inviting me. And if you listened to the last episode, um, Theo's on that one a little bit as well. We, you know, DJ Jay Skrilla was getting a little too long in the teeth there, and so we had to cut him short. Um, that, was <laughs> that was a brutal cutting short there, but that yeah. was okay. That was okay. Well, you know, if, if if the block confirmation times are too long, you have to increase difficulty such that you maintain order. Indeed, indeed. And I don't make those rules. That's just the protocol. That's just the protocol. We're just the enforcers. I'm not responsible for anything. <laughs> um, so, Theo, how would people know you? Because I know you through mm -hmm. counterparty memes and lulls, basically. Um, but I, I also <laughs> remember seeing you. I mean, I've seen you in a lot of videos. Uh, for a while, you were doing some, what is it, world blockchain uh, media stuff. Uh -huh. Okay, so uh, people might know me from World Crypto Network. So that's probably what you're talking about on YouTube. I did, I, well, there was no official join. I'd say, I'd say I started uh, participating in World Crypto Network, contributing to the network in early 2014. And they had a really cool show, um, which they still do sometimes. I think that Thomas Hunt, Madbit, who is called Mad, might know him as Mad Bitcoins on Twitter and on YouTube. Um, he did a regular show starting in 2013 where he wore a big, a big hat, like a Mad Hatter. That's why it's called Mad Bitcoins. And then he started with Chris Ellis, the World Crypto Network, and they had a show on Wednesdays called Bitcoin Talk Show. Much like your show, they had a call-in function, except it was live, unedited. You could actually call them on Skype, and they would feed it in. Now, of course, I did screen the people so you didn't just get totally nuts, but crazy things did happen, and it would go on for two or three hours. And honestly, what, the way I got on there is I didn't mean to get on there, but what would happen is people at the Bitcoin talk show, if you called like every week and they kind of knew you, well, they would just send you the link to the hangout eventually because it was just easier, you know, because then you could be on the show more because they need more people to participate, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just one host. So then it would be like, you know, Thomas Hunt, Chris Ellis, and then someone would join later and then someone would drop off. So it would go on for like two or three hours, kind of as natural flow. And so eventually I would go on every Wednesday and I would just be on the hangout. And then, you know, eventually I did, uh, you know, one or two appearances on the Bitcoin group, an American original, the sharpest Satoshis. That's the intro line to the Bitcoin group, which is every Friday on World Crypto Network. I believe it's I mean, it's still going on. I don't know if he's able to do it every Friday, but it's definitely still going on. And that's a panel based show where, uh, you know, news events are gone over. And everyone gives their little spiel about it. It's based on a, actually, it's based on the, the McLaughlin group. Have you heard of that show? Um, I haven't heard of the McLaughlin group. 
So he unfortunately passed away, um, I think one or two years ago, and that was on PBS. And it was new, it was basically news pundits. They had, you know, a conservative guy, a liberal guy, and it was like, you know, they'd go over the basic news headlines of the week. And that's how the Bitcoin group is basically based on that. And that's why Thomas kind of talks funny on that, because he makes a voice he's trying to be like McLaughlin. So that's a topic for itself. But anyway, so and then um yeah, and then I was on um actually I messed it up. I was on another show first. It was called Chris Before Coffee, and that was Chris Ellis's show. So I did Bitcoin talk show, and then Chris Ellis was doing a show every Tuesday called uh, Chris Before Coffee, which you can also YouTube this stuff and you'll find it real easy. If you're interested in what was going on 2014 area, 2015, uh, Chris was doing that show every week, discussion show, kind of like a podcast with a few people. And uh, yeah, and then eventually I started doing my own called Transmission. And I did, I don't know, I think I did about 50 or 60, I think maybe, or maybe 30 or 50 episodes. I don't know, I have to go look. Maybe around, let's just say 50 episodes of those. And that was between late 2014 and, I don't know, I think I probably did the last one early 2017, maybe. I did maybe the last one or end of 2016. But back, but I was also doing every week, then sometime in 2016, I was doing every week um, Bitcoin talk show, uh, so, sorry, the Bitcoin group. And I know this is going on a long time at World Crypto Network, but there is a good reason for that. So that went over a few years. And what's interesting is maybe what we're going to see now, depending on the price and the whole thing, is that so in two thousand end of 2013 and the beginning of 2000, actually most of 2014, there was a lot of activity on World Crypto Network. There were a lot of different shows. There were a lot of people that wanted to do shows. And there was a lot of interest and there was a decent amount of views back for back then uh for crypto stuff and it was kind of popping you know and then the price went really down like to under 200 for a while even for about a day and it stayed between 200 300 for uh, most of 2015 yeah and people just stopped doing shows they stopped doing shows people lost interest people moved on to other projects too of course that's normal but i would definitely say Thomas Hunt had to get a normal job. You know, it was also with a crypto company, but he didn't have time. So I was the only one doing shows on World Crypto Network for a while. There was no the Bitcoin group. There was no nothing. I was just doing um, I was doing transmission, like an interview style show one on one. And I was doing a show about price called Bitcoin Technical Analysis. And it was then called The Trade. So I kind of was the only one doing World Crypto Network for a phase of maybe nine months just kind of keeping it alive. And then eventually in 2017, um, uh, I guess you could say there was some kind of drama, kind of like a drama or just a, you know, we went our separate way. People, Chris left World Crypto Network. I left World Crypto Network. Uh, there was some kind of internal things. And, you know, it's just, it's difficult to, it's kind of like being in a band. And, you know, sometimes things just don't work out. You have different ideas about how things should do, money, you know, some people want to go more commercial. Some people want to go more hardcore style, like, no, no, it's all about the fundamentals. And we want to have views. We want to format it so that it gets more views, you know, like YouTube style, you know, how like the YouTube shows are. Some people are like, no, no, we want to keep it more old school, like how we always are. That's why people even watch us because we're not like standard YouTube stuff. Hmm. So it kind of fell apart. And uh, 
but I kind of made up with Thomas and World Crypto Network. I guess you could say that, you know, well, I mean, I made up with, I mean, I'm cool with him, but I only go on there occasionally, uh, you know, from time to time on appear on a show, but I'm not willing to, you know, do a show on the network itself because I don't own it then. Who owns World Crypto Network? That's the question, right? Well, Thomas Hunt owns mm-hmm. World Crypto Network. That's what it boils down to. So mm-hmm. that is the result of that whole thing. It's kind of like a precursor to the Bitcoin Bcash drama in a way. <laughs> or similar, you know, oh, who owns Bitcoin, who owns the name of it? It's well, there's similar discussions as far as the name part, not the technical part, like hash rate and all that. But you know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, I mean, no, I, I didn't with, sign up for this, you know, with um, with the Bitcoin Uncensored breakup, that's something that didn't really seem to come up, but it was like, who who owned Bitcoin Uncensored? Exactly, apparently, it's, it was Chris, but exactly. it didn't, I don't think it was their understanding. <laughs> It's totally very, very similar discussion, you know, except they're just two people. So imagine with more people in it. I mean, Chris Ellis and Thomas Hunt are the founders of World Crypto Network. They started it, you know, before I had anything to do with them. I was just someone that would comment on the video sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. but but yeah, that is totally a similar discussion. And that is going to be with all artwork or you could call it artwork or whatever you want to call it. But that's basically what it is because if you do content you know that is your style that's your brand that's your whatever you want to call it and you're putting your fingerprint on it and yeah who owns it like because what if in a few years it takes off and somebody wants to what if someone says you know i want to um what if consent system says hey dan we want to sponsor um unconfirmed transactions or we want to bring that show back and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do an ICO and we'll give you a few million bucks. And all you got to do is talk shit on unconfirmed transactions like you always do. So that would be, but you're like, well, I have a co-founder. I have a co-founder. What about them? You know? No, I'm in. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the deal and then I'm going to send a pipe bomb to everyone else's address. And, uh, so, you know, that will just leave me. Um, and we're all good. <laughs> that was the whole, I'm sorry. That, Did I say that on the on the air? <laughs> you can't say that on the air. I think that you meant symbolically. That's like a that's like a new smart contract, a pipe bomb. It doesn't have anything to do with a real life pipe bomb. That's a good disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. It's a new Thank technical you. solution to Bitcoin. That. It's a new technical solution to Bitcoin scaling. It's called a pipe bomb and it's similar to a to a lightning network. Um, so it's just a way to explode the scaling ability of of of, of a blockchain. Um, so that's that whole World Crypto Network drama or or story. It's a great story. And uh, people probably know me. From, a lot of people know me from that because I was on there every week on, on the Bitcoin group talking and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I was on uh, Bitcoin Uncensored. Uh, shout out to, you know, Yunseth and Chris because they also, you know, supported me because they liked because I did. So I have, you want to talk about betting, we'll talk about it later. So I also have a website about, it's not a sports book, it's just about betting. It's called DGen Bet. DGen is short for degenerate. So it's kind of a, you know, how people make fun of themselves. Well, like some sports bettors say, oh, that's really DGen of you. That's really, you know, so it's just kind of like a, you know, making fun of ourselves kind of thing. That's how the name came about. And um, I do YouTube videos for it too, information, pics and so on. And yeah, Bitcoin Uncensored and Chris were like, hey, and 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 Yunseth were like, hey, you know, do you want to do, you know, one or two minute video? 
uh, sorry, soundbite on Bitcoin Uncensored on the podcast. So I did probably, I'd probably say about 10 or 15. Um, I was on 10 or 15 Bitcoin Uncensored podcasts, you know, with the DGen bet, you know, minute about sports betting or your sports betting tip of the week or whatever, that kind of thing. Um, so people might know me from that. And I hung out, of course, in Coin Dojo back then, uh, discussing whatever people discuss. So if people don't know, Coin Dojo was a Telegram chat chat, and essentially the Bitcoin uncensored community back then, you could say, but you know, it just was a and um that was a really good name in my opinion, because Dojo in the sense that yeah, it was very much about uh, discussing hard topics and people, you know, really went out. I mean, they didn't like say, you know, you're, you're ugly, your teeth are crooked or something like that. And that sense of fighting, but you know, they did really, you know, there were people with a lot of different point of points of view and, you know, a lot of the, and it's kind of turned into a while for so-called scam busting, I would say was a popular thing, you know, like going through scams, pointing out scams, that kind of thing. Yeah. I have a similar story. I mean, I, I, I ended up making unconfirmed transactions originally because I, I kept trolling the BU guys to get on their show. Like I would like right. crack me up to troll them a bit and then get mentioned on their show. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Like the yeah. The easiest way got... to get mentioned was to just like disagree with them basically. <laughs> sure. They, they would, they, they talked shit about, um, they would talk a lot of shit about if I did any trading, anything. Cause they were like, I don't believe in charts it's all bullshit, efficient markets, nobody can trade, all of them lose, you know? <laughs> it was like, that yeah. was their meme forever, you know? And, uh, I, know. and I was doing YouTube shows some, and it sometimes just talked about price and stuff. So, yeah, they have, I, I think they even have an episode called uh, Bitcoin Technical Analysis or Bitcoin Assless or Technical Ass or I don't know what it's called, you know? But, <laughs> you know, they... Uh, but I wasn't the only one on the show. Tone Vase was on the show, a few other people. So BTC Vix was on the show a long time ago. I mean, that show came from uh, – so that show uh, actually stemmed when it was called Bitcoin Technical Analysis, actually stemmed from the Whale Club uh, community, which still exists on Telegram, but back then it was on TeamSpeak. So we're getting like all – Oh, it's, school, not, it's but... not on TeamSpeak anymore? No, it's on Telegram. There is no TeamSpeak one. That is Whale Pool. So people might know me from so in uh, late 2014, uh, or I don't know when Whale Club started on TeamSpeak exactly, but I know it from late 2014 ongoing until there was also a big uh, community drama breakup uh, with that, which we would have to have a whole other episode because I'm already taking up so much time talking about community breakups. It's very similar. It's it's so funny. It's it's interesting content. But you know what's so funny is that it's the same story again. Who owns it? Who controls what? <laughs> I'm not joking. So, uh, so the Teams TeamSpeak is like a Discord, which we're on right now, and it's a voice chat, and it has chat also, like text chat also integrated. And you know, it was really cool because you know it was basically 24 seven. You go in and you can do that on on Whalepool now, and it's so funny. I'm even so everyone that knows any history knows that. So I'm not even allowed on whale pool or probably wouldn't be allowed because one of the owners doesn't like me. So just to give part of the drama, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, because of all the breakup drama. 
because I'm still with Whale Club, the original. And there's the fork, and there's the fork of the fork. So uh, anyway, um, so that was 24-7 voice chat about uh, crypto. I mean, it was very much price-related, like, okay, you know, what's the price doing? Oh, it's pumping, it's dumping here. What are these altcoins doing? Um, uh, even Forex maybe talking about that. And then there were subrooms were created. and But a lot of times the price isn't doing anything. So you just talk about whatever. But a lot of times you talk about, you know, crypto. What about scaling? What about lightning? What about all that? And that's all pre, you know, back in 2015. Those were already topics. You could see already forming you know, the big block guys, the not big block guys. This was way before any idea of forking like that. I mean, there were BIP, BIPs out there, Bitcoin improvement proposals out there to raise block sizes, and there was discussion. But mm -hmm. there was nothing like the drama what you have now. So it was just the beginnings of that about, hey, guys, we need to do something. What about this? What about that? You know, uh, there was a lot of discussion. It was pre-ICO craze. So there was no ICO craze. Uh, Winklevosses were just we were getting into, you know, trying or announcing their ETF that they want to apply for it and all that. So it was pretty, you know, price was really low uh, compared to now. And uh, so that was pretty. So many people might know me and met a lot of people uh, through that. Um, yeah, you know, here in Frankfurt, I'm a co-founder of the Bitcoin meetup here. That started in, I think, July or August 2013. Um, so people might know me from, you know, the German community, or meetups, things like that. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, so, it, I, I while you were talking, actually, because I was curious, cause you, you were, I'm not, it seems like you have a mind for this. But for me, like, I have a very hard time kind of placing dates and times on, like, think memories of mine. I'm, I'm always like. Mm -hmm. That was just like a while ago. It's never like, mm -hmm. okay, this yeah. is 2016 and this is the fall, you know. But um, yeah. I just yeah. looked it up and I, 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 my first episode I did on confirmed transactions was March 3rd of 2016 when the price was 420. Mm -hmm. And my last episode, I did a short run, was October 7th of 2016 when the price was 640. And I'm like, mm -hmm. my last episode, my, the, the, the topic is that how Bitcoin had become a mainstream meme. Because at the time, like, I mean, the price was up like 50%, like in no time. And then between in the intervening time, you know, that's only like a six month run. And then I was seeing it everywhere. Like, they, I mean, they, there was, a, t there was a, re a TV show made on the basis of like these people made a crypto coin. And I was like, what? There's like shit coin TV shows? <laughs> like, <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> and what's funny to it's just funny to me in retrospect looking back at it because in my head, like price at six hundred fifty is like kaboom. <laughs> right. But uh, also, uh, so Dan, also um, you might remember Blab. So oh, of course, Blab was amazing. I really right. miss Blab. So for people that don't That's know, Blab, 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 I think Blab they have a new nice. project, but I haven't. I haven't even gone there. But I've met so. Uh, um, Romeo that just joined uh, the decentralized art chat, uh, who commented on some of my medium posts about art stuff. He was doing, I, he was on Blab back in the day. He called himself their Black Caesar, and uh, and uh, ironically, um, I met him online, but he lives in Greenville, North Carolina, and I used to live in Greenville, North Carolina for a while, but I didn't know him back then, which is really weird. 
and he does art. Hmm. And uh, I introduced him to Bitcoin on Blab because that was one of the discussion points sometimes because it was, you know, it was 2015, 2016, and people were just getting it, you know, wanted to know what it is and they heard of it or whatever. And, you know, I think I gave him probably 0.001 Bitcoin when it was not worth very much. I gave a bunch of people 0.001 Bitcoin back then. Not 0.01, which would have added up to a whole lot more if I gave a bunch away. But uh, yeah, but that's interesting. I have, I have, I can't think of a whole ton of people I keep track of from Blab, but there are definitely are some that I talk to sometimes on Twitter or other places. Um, so people, you know, might remember because I tried to do like a regular show there, kind of like YouTube, but I found it a little bit more difficult, and it kind of turned into more like a hangout place than a place for shows. But Bitcoin Uncensored did stuff on there sometimes. Um, I. What was fun about it? Uh-huh. What, a fu- what was fun about it was that, like, you could be kind of, you know, have a number of people interested in a topic in the chat room, and then it would be like, all right, like someone dropped a link, and then you just kind of like move it over to, because uh, the chat rooms are great, but um, there's only so much you want to type. Like, it's hard to get the complex shit out with just typing. It is, um, it and I know that exclude that that excludes a lot of people that prefer like the uh, in and out. In anonymity, or uh, don't like to talk, but um, it is yes. difficult to just type. Right. So a lot of people, some people thought Blab was lame, but I think that's just because of some of the content on there. Because there were like some kind of motivational speaker kind of people and kind of internet marketing slash motivational speaker kind of people, and that did kind of annoying. But for people that don't know, and I forgot the name of the new platform, actually, I have to what to put that in the description or something, which I honestly haven't been hanging out at, is that uh, it's just it was just a live video chat where there's a square. The, the screen was chopped into four, up to four um, squares, so four people could talk live on video slash audio at the same time or audio only. And then there was a chat also for that room and you could go on, on the site, you could go to different, different ones. So it could be, you know, this one is about crypto. The other one is about sports. The other one is about just called we're hanging out or whatever. So you could meet a lot of different people from totally different things. You normally wouldn't, you know, talk to, you could just see what they're about. And that was, it's kind of like speed dating in a way on the internet. Yeah, I me- I, mem- I remember it because like sometimes the format would be like uh, you would lock in two or three squares and those would be like the people running the show and then there would be like a yeah. free square where they would like yeah. pull in randos and then kick out randos <laughs> and like you could be talking about Bitcoin and some dude is just like smoking a cigarette on his back porch on Blab and he just like stumbles in and like yeah. you-, you don't really kick him because it's just like okay this is happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is the cool thing about it because you could have totally wild things. You have no idea, you know, what they're going to do. Of course, that could get there could be things in a bad way that happen, but you know, if you let someone on join the blab. So, if you're if you start if you started one of the video conversations and you could someone could press a button and if there was a free seat basically in the conversation and they could ask to join, you could approve it. And then they're on the, then they're on the show basically, and you could also kick them out. But yeah, that made it. I th- I agree that made it more wild, you know, more live. It was a funny time. It's because it's it, it's it. 
the way that people react to the current price of Bitcoin tells me a lot about when they got to Bitcoin. Because <laughs> to me, it's like, uh, it's like, oh no, a seven thousand dollar lull. Oh no, like suicide watch. It's it's only at seven thousand. <laughs> well, I mean, if you only know like the last what six months, then it seems bad. But if you know even a year, then you even a year ago. Um, I think the price was what, probably like two thousand or something. So, you know, I mean, but a lot of people came in recently. So that's just that. That's well, not once any it got different. A, once that's it, not any different than two thousand. What two thousand? Uh, excuse me. Um, that's not any different than two thousand thirteen or two thousand fourteen. Sure. You know. Yeah. Well, when the price was was at like two hundred or so, that's when I started like fomoing and like accumulating and then before i could like really accumulate it like doubled on me and that's when i was like okay so i i my largest uh yolo was around 400 um you're not supposed to tell people that but whatever um we got you now the let me see what else do i want to talk about Sorry, you got me off track. Is you... <laughs> no, okay, okay. So sorry, I talked like, about you know you, you no, asked like me. People might know me. I guess I think that those are a lot of places um, where people know me, and all of those things kind of intertwine together in the sense that you know most of them had something to do with like what we're doing right now. We're we're talking, we're discussing, we're building communities. Uh, you know, and that something kind of something just I was just feeling recently like you know what I want to I want to make some new content. Because it is a little, it's it is a kind of a funny time, um, because similar to how you were saying, there was like a, a burst of content, and then the price went down, and people kind of stopped and make content. Mm-hmm. Um, with this current decline in price, I do feel like um, I I see a lot of the same people talking about a lot of the same things, um, and I don't know. I just want to kind of take my own snapshot of what's going on right this- now in time. Uh, I'll probably not even continue the series after like uh, a week or so. I just want to kind of, I'm I'm going around having a bunch of calls with a bunch of people, seeing what they think. Oh so come on, you got to of... build this up, man. You got to do it like you know, every week, every month, every week, or you know, like a regular show. I'm doing it more like uh, like robbing a bank. I mean, I'm doing three today. <laughs> I yeah, don't want to get caught in the vault, so I want to be like in and out. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's a scalp. That's what we call a scalp. That's a scalp. So since you're based in Europe, what is, what's the scene in Europe like versus the scene in America? Because I've seen you at conferences in America and I've seen you at conferences mm-hmm. in Europe. Is mm-hmm. there anything that distinguishes them from the two? Uh, well, I mean, well, Europe has a bunch of more countries, so the conferences are way more international. Um, as far as like, you know, how many people are from different countries or speaking different languages and that kind of thing. Uh, I think that on, so I will tell you, I will tell you, uh, give a quick rundown. I mean, there's a lot of difference within the ones in the U S and the ones within Europe too, but you have in U S, you know, you have the U S tradition, U S tradition in the sense of, you know, there is a kind of libertarian vibe, you know, with like, you know, you have a lot of, you know, individual rights in the U.S. Um, and gold bugs and all that kind of stuff, right? And in Europe, 
you know, that is different. They have, they don't have necessarily that same background as far as historically, but since World War II ha happened and, and pre-World War II, Europe experienced hyperinflation. Some countries did. So their grandparents or their and their great grandparents probably experienced hyperinflation. And then that influences how people think about money and things now. So that's at least for Germany. And I think that's for other parts of Europe too. So there's different ways of how people think. So you would be surprised. You'd be like, you know, some people are into Bitcoin, but they're not, they're not really down with like, they might have way different opinions about free speech than a typical American, for example. So it's like, so it can get really weird. There's also a lot of people that are, that are great, that are the, kind of the same uh, as like the US style Bitcoiner. But I mean, now with the whole ICO thing blowing up, um, uh, what is a major difference? Um, well, I think that, uh, a lot of things are becoming similar, to be honest. Um, you know, so I was just to give, uh, just some anecdotal anecdotes that are, uh, that I noticed that were really similar, uh, in London, there is a regular meetup called coin scrum. That's pretty big. Uh, pretty big means I'd say at least a hundred people every time, or probably about it. Some are bigger, some are a little smaller, but a lot of them have a hundred people and it happens at different locations, but usually, you know, the same two or three with speakers. And that was in Atlanta recently at, um, the Atlanta blockchain, I think is what it's called. Tidwell's thing. I think you did a talk there. And uh, yep. yeah, it was there was about a hundred people there, pretty big. Um, but both of them have free beer and free pizza. <laughs> That's uh, key. The same, and it's the exact same style. It's just like someone buy they buy a bunch of pizzas, just like put them out on a table, and every and all the people eat them. And there's just some refrigerator with a bunch of beer in it, or or and at the Atlanta one, there was just this big cooler with a bunch of beer in it, and that's it. And I just thought that's funny, this pizza meme in Bitcoin, because of the first thing that was bought does continue sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. I can't think of another meetup that's like that in Europe right now, off the top of my head, uh, that has just did it like that. But I mean, Coin Scrum doesn't. I think a few other places have copied that. They just, because that's easy. You just order pizzas. You don't have to worry about catering. It's cheap and, and all that stuff. But I think it's just funny that, you know, they're both regular meetups, similar styles, um, and both have the exact same uh, attitude as far as that goes. Um, I Makes think sense. That, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. There are a lot of the same people. So the whole conference thing is funny in the sense of there's people that talk at conferences regularly and it's kind of like a band. Um, but not well they call that they call that the they're, I, they're on the circuit that's what they call it they're on nicely. the circuit they're on the circuit exactly okay uh that's fine i'm totally totally fine and that can be great but some people play the same song every night so it's kind of like a band <laughs> that doesn't learn a new set you know and you're like dude you've been playing this, Play this song for a long time you know why don't you change it up a little I mean, that's what I'm thinking sometimes. Or how or how do you manage to be sane in your brain 
and do that same talk again. But they do change up the talks a little bit, I guess. But, you know, you can get by um, doing the same talk over and over if you're a big name or if you or or maybe if you're not a big name because people have never seen it before. So I think mm -hmm. a lot of people uh, like to do that. I mean, I just would hope that people try harder to to make it different each time or to, you know, push the boundaries of their of their talks and, and that kind of thing. Um, and you see a lot of the same people in Europe and America, though, that are doing some of the talks. So I don't know. Um, I can't really say, you know, what's the difference necessarily. No, I mean, if there's um, no difference, I, I think what you're, I guess yeah. what you're saying or what it sounds like what you're saying is that, um, you know, like Bitcoin's globalized <laughs> and, uh, you know, just because so something's going on in a different country doesn't mean like it's not you know, relevant or connected or similar to what's happening on the other side of the world. Definitely. So one thing that is different is the conference that's coming up in Prague uh, right now, the um, the Hackers, con it's called the Hackers Conference. Uh, let me get the real name. I mess it up all the time. Are, uh, that, are they going to be Robin? Are, are they going to be Robin Ethereum blind live? Oh, no, 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 no. It's just called uh, the Hackers Congress. Um, let me get it up and read you some of the some of the speakers. Let's see. You Do you remember seeing that um, there was this conference called Breaking Bitcoin, and yes. one of the speakers like demonstrated like an exploit or a bug in Bitcoin, and like Peter Todd like flipped his shit at him. Do you remember seeing that? Yes, because I almost went to it. It was in Paris, and I want. I I hope. I think it's in Paris again. So there's three um, uh, conferences that are in Europe that are, uh, I think people are calling them Bitcoin maximalist conferences, but I don't, I definitely don't like that title and I can't speak for, I've only been to one of them, so I can't speak for the other two, um, but they are different in the sense that these three conferences are, and maybe there's some in the US that are going to try to do that too, but I haven't seen one yet. They're trying to be different than the typical crypt, what has become the typical crypto conference. Maybe what you see like at the Miami one, which the, I've never been to, but I've seen a lot of videos about, you know, talks and videos of the of the floor and stuff. Uh, it's not with a bunch of stands with um, products and ICOs and that kind of thing. It's really about, um, you know, crypto and discussion and all that. And it's not commercialized it costs money to get in and things cost money there but it's not about like I, right now i'm at um hackers congress parallel polis which is at the institute of crypto anarchy in prague and you know i don't see if i go to the web page you know there's no sponsors it's totally self-funded um the institute for crypto anarchy is actually a co-working space and they have a cafe and in prague and you can go there and you and they and they only take uh, Bitcoin and Litecoin only, but they have ATM there where you put the money in and then you can buy a Bitcoin or Litecoin in order to pay for things. And at the conference itself, you get this thing that's the size of a credit card, which is an NFC card. And you load it with the Bitcoin or Litecoin you buy at the ATM. And then you just pay with the prepaid card basically at the bar or the cafe where, you know, when you want to buy some. So that's how it works hmm. there. And so, I mean, they, you know, they're already a business that is self-sustaining 
and they have this big conference and the conference is crazily well organized. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of like, you know, it has the, the, the aesthetic quality. It's not like a Ted conference in the sense that it has those red letters, but it's professional. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. very professional, but it's like a, but like, okay, it's uh, Nassim Talib, but via Skype is coming. Peter Todd, Gazumo Zuko, Cody Wilson, uh, Jimmy Song, uh, Amir Taki, uh, Jörg Pletzer from Room 77, the president of Liberland, uh, you know, guys from Satoshi Labs, you know, Alina from, that used to work for Trezor Satoshi Labs. Maybe you know her. So a bunch of, you know, pretty interesting. That's just some of the names. So it's mm-hmm. pretty, uh, I guess you could say it's political, but is that, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it. it you know, it's definitely not an ICO fest. Let's just put it that way. Okay. <laughs> let me, let me well, figure out. good. Let me, what's let me, the, what's, the, what's find, the name again? It's in Prague? Yeah, so you can go to hcpp.cz to the webpage. So I could, because the Czech webpage, yeah. hashtag hcpp18. And you see where it's called New Prague's Order. an awesome city. It is an awesome city, and it's still cheap. So it's really awesome. It's nice. Everything is great there. It's, I do recommend it. Let me find uh, last year's, because... So last year's was called Liberate. And let me find this guy that was there. Um, so last year, Peter Todd was there. Adam Back was there. Pamela Morgan was there. Um, let's see. Where is this guy? Ah, here he is. Here he is. Jim Bell. So Jim Bell was there last year. And he is the guy that wrote the book called Assassination Politics. So, oh, Okay. That's pretty nuts. If you, <laughs> I mean, uh, well, it's not really a book. It's like, is that, is I, it, I don't want to say nuts in the sense that it's I like totally, a it's like a white paper. Uh, it's, it's not a that book. one. It, yeah, is yeah, but, but let me. Uh, maybe you're right, but but he had trouble because of that, and I guess some other things he's written and 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 talked spoke about. He had trouble even getting there because you know he had to like <laughs> fly here and this airport stops him and all that kind of stuff, you know? So, and there's like a few activist guys that walk around with masks on. that are like, you know, they say they're hackers or whatever. You could think, you could think that's cool or not. We interviewed. So what happened last year that was really cool is world crypto network had a state, like a, like a side room. And we were interviewing people. I, you know, I was not part of world crypto network anymore, kind of, but I was like, Oh, this is really cool. So I'm going to take part anyway do it you know anyway and it's it's cool it's a cool thing and we were just interviewing people during the whole conference parallel to all the talks so imagine like a separate room where people can also come and there's like a studio audience of like 10 chairs let's say you know (laughs) and we were doing live streaming the whole time during the conference as like a side base it's almost like a it's almost like a side conference yeah i love stuff like that that was really cool. That is, so if anyone is organizing a conference, or actually you could just do it yourself at a conference pirate style, if there's like a side room or meeting room, and you just, you know, interview a bunch of, get a bunch of people, 
uh, one by one, you invite, call them in, and then you have people from the studio audience or that maybe come on the live stream too. It was it was yeah. really cool because it kind of was flowing like that, you know. It had like Chris, a flow to it. Chris and Josh did that in Miami in the bathroom. Do you remember that? Yes, exactly. It's just like that. Just like when they did that was epic, man. I was not there in that thing. <laughs> they did that in the bathroom exactly. Just like that. that's better than the conference itself. You know, it was so funny because there there was people using the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, right. You're like, oh, like, that's the guys, guy from this company. He just took a poop. You know, like <laughs> that was great. Under underrated. Way underrated. Well, what what, what this makes me think of um maybe you have thoughts on this, but um these things that we're talking about, right? Do you think how much of this do you think will matter in terms of like the history? Um, and how much of this is worth preserving and documenting? I think a lot of this matters a lot because the you know relationships are what build it, build about everything. You know, I mean, there's all the technical stuff. So, so basically, I think people underestimate the value of uh, meeting people in person as versus meeting people online, and not in the sense that. Uh, meeting people online is is not doesn't have value in the sense that you already know them online and then you meet them in person. Um, I think there's a big value in that, and you know that can really uh, you know build relationships uh, a lot stronger. Whether that's a personal relationship, business relationship, for projects, technical, creative, whatever. Um, I think it's important, and I think that is the. I don't want to say that I go. I go to a conference and I don't care about the speakers and the, and the, and the, and the, and the things they're saying. Sometimes I don't, or I don't care so much because the main focus is just meeting people that you never met or people you already know, you know? And uh, I think that's really important. Uh, yes. I think all of this should be documented. Let's not lose. Um, like imagine I was just discussing in one of the chats with Skrilla, Skrilla was like, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of music got lost when mega upload, um, you know, went down, you know, a lot of things, uh, a lot of people were basically depending on that, you know, that service to run forever. So, you know, what if YouTube, SoundCloud and whatever else, and those two things go away, um, you know, we still need to have these documentations of history. And I think that the, uh, the storyline, the timeline, and just the story of how these things happened, and how funny how things repeat themselves, and, and and all those things are are really important. That's how you learn. That's how you learn about how things um, how things go down. You know, it just kind of cracks me up that it might be relevant to people in the future, like as to like dude. the the forking of chat rooms. <laughs> totally. Yes, it's, it's so, so crazy. funny. And people don't know, and and or um, yeah, and people don't know even the background of, and also the whole background of like Bitcoin Cash and all that stuff. And I, I don't want to get into a technical discussion with any about that. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, it's kind of like factions of the same community. You know, there were there were the Bitcoin. There first there was Bitcoin XT. You know. And then there was Bitcoin Classic, and then there was this and that. You know what I mean? It was just different. And then suddenly our BTC came out. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, different levels 
I remember when Roger Veer was, I think he was trying to sue. Who was trying to sue who? Damn it. Uh, oh, he, there was a Chinese was, company that like not, had a yeah, contract okay with, coin. but it was, it was, it was okay uh, coin. I guess it's the guy China, from, they're like well, it's the not guy from so okay cool with contracts. It's the guy from OKCoin. Okay <laughs> and uh, he leased Bitcoin.com, the domain, I think, or, or who leased it from who? I don't know. But I mean, so I remember before he even had, he didn't even have Bitcoin.com up. So there's a whole history. So it's just so funny. There's a whole history of, of that. And then if people, you know, because... Yeah, you said right now, oh, it's like a Chinese thing, whatever. But then he's like, you know, friends with uh, Jihan Wu or whatever. So, <laughs> so it's definitely it's not an anti You know, it's just so funny how things, uh, you know, come about. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, there is that reminds me. There is this big, oh, there is this awesome um, com- uh, video where Roger confronts him at a conference. No, yeah, I'm expect. I'm, I'm definitely thinking. Oh about that man! Video. Oh god, that's so great! Oh, that is so awesome! It's such a clash of cultures too, because like the American guy is like yelling really loud, like ah, rah, rah. and then the Chinese guy is like looking at him, like, okay, what is this guy doing in public now? You know, and like, and all these people are vi- are videoing it. It's so crazy. Yeah. That's an example. Well, it, it that Roger got hashed Ro- out that live, you know. <laughs> Roger Ver isn't an american he's a saint kittian or whatever <laughs> whatever whatever oh man come on yeah not anymore because he gave up his he gave up his sorry culturally american is that even a, is that a lot am i allowed to even say that kind of am i being I, like I mean, a, i'm triggered ethnic, but okay what do you call it a, an ethnist an ethnist am i being an ethnist by by saying that he's a cultural american i don't know whatever <laughs> i think you get get what i mean you know yeah uh, uh, but yeah, that, that is, those are totally important things. And I mean, yeah, I think that, uh, totally, maybe we should start like, you know, the Smithsonian of crypto, uh, documenting, you know, this stuff. I met, ma- Oh man, imagine that. Imagine a display and it's like Bitcoin and crypto podcasts, a history. And it has like a timeline of like, uh, Bitcoin uncensors and it shows the split you know, <laughs> it shows like a fork on the timeline, you know, and it shows like other sub and it shows like shows that happened around the same time and they have like their own parallel line, you know what I mean? Or yeah, other you could probably map like, like um, you could probably map like um, a timeline of like shows, like this show began here and like their genesis, and then you have people, you could probably like map, uh, map the social graph or whatever. Hmm. Um, so, Theo, some more questions here. I'm curious about what your current role is. You're working with Proof of Work Media. What is that? What do you do there? How does that work? Uh, that I, I would have to kill you um, in order to tell you that. Now, Proof of Work Media is a boutique design and strategy company. And, yeah, I'm the so-called meme consultant. And I help a lot with strategy, consulting, and everything, really. You're, you know, wait, wait, your, your real deal title is meme consultant? Yes, my real deal title is meme consultant. Uh, so I have put that on my Twitter as a, as a, you know, as a thing, meme consultant. And it turns out that somebody had it uh, on, and I know him, had it on their Twitter before, but I didn't isn't that weird? I didn't mean to copy him. So 
I don't know if that's ever happened, like where you subconsciously copy someone maybe, or you thought that was your idea and then it wasn't. Has that ever happened? But anyway, but he I, don't, has, I, don't, you know, I don't think keyword consultant is like a thing you I know, <laughs> I know, I know, but still, you know what I mean? It's just kind of a thing, but it's okay. So Jim BTC, he does a lot of gifts. Uh, you can find him, Jim BTC on Twitter. He has the title meme consultant on his Twitter too. And I put it on there and just, um, yeah. And so I think you were asking me earlier, how do you get Bitcoin gigs or whatever? So it was just totally through networking. I mean, they, you know, the guys at Proof well, of the, Network the, well, well, know me yeah. from World Crypto Network. Yeah. Yes, on, yes, Theo. yes, the, yes. The, the interesting thing I think about you is that you've had um, multiple blockchain gigs, but you're not like a coder. And I think right. there's a lot of That's people true. who aren't coders but interested in blockchain, and they would be interested in hearing like what your approach is to uh, landing a gig. Is it through the networking? Are you just like, do you have like a resume you hand out and do like old-fashioned style? Is it is all word of mouth. I, and- I have done that, but then I don't, that was ne- never been successful. You know, I've never had success handing out my, uh, my CV, my curriculum verte, my resume. But, uh, I mean, I've applied for, I don't know, a handful of things in the past years like that, but, uh, never had success doing that. So unless you have a really good resume, I guess, or maybe for coders, it's important. I don't know, but, um, Right. I'm not a coder. I would say I have a technical understanding of a lot of things, even though I don't write code. Uh, and I think it's just mostly important to know that what you don't know, be like, hey, I have no idea here, so I can't tell you. So as long as you're humble with that, that's good. Uh, how would you go about it if you're not a coder? Yeah, networking, I think, is the main thing. And uh, probably making content, uh, you know, doing a doing videos, doing podcasts, doing whatever it is you do. I don't know whatever it is you do. Because if you don't code, then what do you do? You know, do you, are you a writer? Are you a marketing person? Are you whatever, you know? So, and what distinguishes you? Um, And a lot of things in crypto are based on trust. So, and reputation. So you're going to have to build up trust and reputation. So that is pretty important. You know, if people think that you're going to scam them, then, well, only you're only going to get jobs from a certain kind of people. And if people think, no, this is a stand-up person, I don't think that he's going to scam me, and I don't think other people think that he's going to scam me, then I think that's pretty key. It sounds simple, but it's not. Um, and I think that's yeah, it. I would I think, say, hmm, it's interesting because mm-hmm. I think maybe if somebody's not technical but wants to find their way into the blockchain space i would probably attend your local meetup you know that would be step one yes like (laughs) if you're not already doing that like occasionally maybe like the blockchain space isn't for you anyways um but like go check out some local meetups i don't think a big global international conference is going to change your life uh but the local meetups are cool because you'll make friends and people will get to know you to the level the trust level you're talking about yeah. And probably don't lead with the fact that you're looking for a job, I would say. Oh, yeah. Don't lead you know, with that. You're just don't, trying don't, to don't, you're just don't ask for something before you like, you know, offer something. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the whole idea of. Um, well, probably shouldn't overthink it, but that's yeah, a good don't, point don't do that. Don't don't overthink it. Don't 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 do that. 
Uh, but if you're making something, so like I said, that's why I said make content or whatever it is you do, well, you're adding value and you're not expecting um, a return immediately. Like, oh, I did uh, five hours of podcasting. Um, you know, I should have a hundred bucks and uh, five uh, job offers or I don't know, whatever kind of metric. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Crypto is just going to wreck you for that. You're not going to, that probably doesn't work in real life either, but crypto will double wreck you with that attitude because you, because, <laughs> because people will just, as soon as they notice you're like that, they'll just say, fuck you basically. So yeah. you can't have that attitude because people don't need you and they don't know you and they have no reason to trust you. And they don't give a shit if you were a hot shot marketer or a hot shot, whatever, in whatever other company in the past, it doesn't matter to them. You see what I mean? That's what is so different about crypto. People could care less about all that kind of stuff. You have no reputation yeah. in crypto, then you have no reputation in crypto. And if you have a big <laughs> reputation somewhere else and you keep talking about it, that probably makes you more let and makes you less trustworthy because you're know, like, you see what I mean? So uh, you have to. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not it's not fungible. <laughs> you can't uh, just transfer it's not it fungible. <laughs> and um, it's going to sound uh, we, I keep talking about this because it is fascinating, but it's in it just so people think it's weird, too. But I guess it's both. Um, it has some aspects to like biker gangs a little bit. Now that that's going to sound weird. I have no, I've never been in a biker gang. I have no motorcycle and or anything like that. But there is a way that they operate as far as like how the community works um, is that they have days where it's open. It's kind of like a meetup, you know, and you can go hang out with them. And if you hang out with them enough, well, then you become kind of accepted and maybe you get invited somewhere else. And then um, if you, if you're in people and, and people have to vouch for you, then you see what I mean? So someone has to vouch for you to kind of like go to the next level in a way. Now, I don't say that crypto is like that exactly, but I think that is definitely important when other people, um, yeah, show that they trust you. Mm. You see what I mean? And you can't buy that. That's what sure. is so important. So in a- in That's a, interesting. In a, um, yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is what I took away from that, is um, if you're in a biker gang, the best defense, to prove that you're not in a biker king is to say you don't own a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, well, there are well, there are new ones where they don't even ride. They just call themselves biker gangs, but they don't even but ride. They're just that's gangs. Just, that's just so funny. It's like, no, 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 no. In a biker gang, because I don't have a bike. You don't get it. Like, I just don't have the equipment for that. So it's just not possible. <laughs> right. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's a, that was not the takeaway, but that's okay. what I zeroed in uh, on. Yeah, so that is, I mean, as far as, I, yeah, like, like I would say, add value. It's all yeah. about adding value, finding value. Um, Let's talk losing you know, value. Losing value? Pretty easy Losing value do. and not thinking mm -hmm. too much. So obviously degenerate gambling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, losing value would be... Um, Taking a quick way, like getting an offer from something that you think in the back of your mind, this is a good job, but it's a little scammy. 
but everything is a little oh, bit we're, scammy. We're, 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 we're confusing topics. I want to talk about betting is what I mean. Oh, okay. We can just forget that. Okay, betting. Yeah, what do you want to – what about – what do you want to know? What do you want to know? Because um, – so it seems like betting for you is something you were into before Bitcoin. Is that fair? That's fair, yeah. It wasn't as – it wasn't as um, – yes. Yeah, not huge. I got into it more over the years, but yes. Okay, and so do you see crypto and Bitcoin and stuff like that as a form of gambling? Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, and now when we talk about literal gambling, so what I did recently is I went to, uh, in New Jersey, they have a place called the Meadowlands, and New Jersey just made sports uh, betting legal, and FanDuel bought the Meadowlands, and you can go there and sports bet legally. I bet on some horses. And one of the things I learned there is you can do a bet called the Exacta Box. Oh, you yeah. In Exacta Boxes? I do. I do. I can even explain it. Sure. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, first we have to just go to what an exacta is. So, of course, uh, you can bet on who's going to win the race. That's clear, right? But you can also bet on who's first and who's second. So horse one is first and horse two is second. And that's called an exacta. You bet exactly who's first and second. An exacta box is every possible combination of those so if i say i I think horse a is going to be first and horse b is going to be second and then i boxed that that would mean i'd have a b and then b a so it would be you know every possible combination of horse a and b being first or second that would be an exacta box you can and you pay double the bet don't you as well yeah it's two it's two bets then that's two bets um uh, and of course, um, now horse betting is a little different because it's paramutual. So paramutual betting is different than, let's say, sports betting where that's fixed odds. What does paramutual mean? Okay. Paramutual means it's just a big betting pool. So you don't know the exact odds. The odds of your payout depend on how many people bet on what horse. So let's say that we all um, throw in and there's 10 horses and everyone and the most money that is thrown in on horse A, well, the well, that's going to pay out the less, the least. You see what I mean? And if and if yeah. um and the but, but, horse but that, when I was betting on the horses, there was odds, so I don't understand how that worked. Yeah, but they were moving. But they were moving. You see what oh, I mean? They're moving. They're moving based on betting. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yeah, and you don't know the exact odds until after the race, until until or until it starts, I guess. But it just takes like you know a few minutes. So it sounds uh, like they need blockchain technology. How do I trust the house? <laughs> well, yeah, well, you could, <laughs> yeah, sure. There's there's definitely that, but an an exacta is going to pay out more, um, or not necessarily more than a single horse if it was like underdog, let's say. But you know, it's a since that's harder to hit. It, let's just say it's going to pay out more because you're predicting two, you know, first and second. Exactly. And then you can expand on that. And there's a trifecta. And that's the same as the exacta, but it's predicting first, second, and third place. And then there is um, the superfecta, which is the crack of horse betting. So superfecta is predicting first, second, third, and fourth place. And then, of course, you can box that. So if you so you say okay, I think um, this horse is going to be first. This horse is going to be second. This horse is going to be third. This horse is going to be fourth, 
and then you box it, and then that is what uh, sixty, yeah, sixteen um, bets. So if you do um, superfecta boxed uh, for one dollar, then that's going to cost you sixteen dollars. That's sixteen one dollar bets. And uh, just to give you an example, um, you know, it could if you were to hit that, then I don't know, maybe it pays anywhere from. 100 to 2000 bucks for a $1 bet depending that's why oh. it's the crack of of, of I got to go I got to go back to the race track yeah but the chances of you hitting a superfecta boxed are are it's, it's hard as hell you know really uh, you would think yeah. I would think it would be easier because you have the options because of the box part yeah but you have to get you're predicting what horses are going to be in the top four now if it's a race with just a few horses the superfecta is not going to pay out a whole lot you see what i mean if there's only eight horses and you predict the top four well people are going to be in the superfecta pool with you you see what i mean and that's going to make it so it's not going to pay out a lot but let's say it's something like the kentucky derby or something with like i don't know 12 horses or or more uh, then you know that could and and what what happens is is if in the superfecta, um, if one of the underdog horses is in there, let's say like one of the underdog you included in your, so a superfecta that takes like the four favorites and boxes them is not going to pay out a whole lot, okay? But what if you had a superfecta with um, one of the underdogs in there? And that underdog gets like first or second place. And that superfecta is going to be one of those ones that pays out a lot. It's going to be one of those mega ones. You see what I'm saying a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I saw this when I was at the racetrack. I was I was doing exacto boxes with the two favorites. But my buddies, they were like, oh, shit, this one's 20 to 1. Like, let's throw money on that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right, yeah, and uh, and with horse betting, there's other stuff too. So that's not exacta uh, trifecta or superfecta box. Um, there's also place and show. So horse A win, horse place, a uh, horse A place is that horse is going to be in first or second place, and show is that horse is going to be in first, second, or third place, and it's just a it's a single bet. It's not contingent on these other horses as the exacta trifecta or superfecta bets, if that makes any sense. No, so that makes sense. Do, um, yeah. If I, if I, if I'm at the, the racetrack and I'm betting on the ponies and I say, listen, sir, I want a superfecta box. Is that, is that say to that person something about me? Are they going to assume that I'm like a professional degenerate gambler? You know what I'm saying? Like there's certain things that people say, in the blockchain space where I'm like, okay, I know something about you based off that. Right, right. Well, what you should do, if you want to seem like you've been there before and you know what you're doing, then, I mean, if you just want to tell him, then you just say, I want a superfecta box with the 5, 8, 16, and 12. So you just said, I want a superfecta box, and you told him what horses by the mm -hmm. number. You see what I and mean? Now, now, I'm, now I'm legit. And now he'd print it out. He'd probably just print it out and tell you how much it costs. You don't have to tell them how much, it, you know. <laughs> That's yeah. what I noticed. They like they they were like <laughs> they had like little typing machines in front of them. They looked like just like little old school typewriters, and uh, they were just like, "What?" Like, "Hi," and they're like, "Just what?" <laughs> and they just want okay, yeah, right. So, um, also, um, interesting. So, um, in in England, at the bet shops, there's like bet shops all over the place. Like, there's as many bet shops as like gas stations. Let's say. And uh, or more even. And uh, 
you go in there and they have you can bet on soccer and sports and stuff, but they have the horse races on the whole day. Um, the and they have even um, and they stay up until 10 p.m. and starting at about I don't know 8 p.m. Uh, UK time, they start having uh, some of the U.S. races too. And there, um, you can do what you did. You can just go up there and tell them. Or you, they just have out these blank pieces of paper, these like little notepads, and of course, with like the store name or the brand or whatever. And you can just write down your bet. You see what I mean? You just write down superfecta, race, race, time, you know, time of the race, the the numbers of the horses, superfecta, how much it costs. You can just give it to them, you know? So hmm. it's just like a, it's kind of a funny, and you can do that with other bets. You just write down the bet, like, um, New Jersey Nets uh, win and you just like give it to them and they like write down the odds and they give you and they take your money and they give you the paper back. So it just looks like, a you piece know, of of any places right now where I can take crypto and bet on horses. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, you can do the offshore uh, sports books like five dimes or um, sports betting, IG bet online. All of those have race books. So it looks like a normal, quote, normal sports betting site, just like how probably if you were at the FanDuel uh, page where they have their sports book now, but imagine if they have a section called race book and then at the race book, you can do all those things like exact a box and it has the races and it has, you know, win place show and all that kind of stuff. So then you can go over there and you can, you can do that. And uh, yeah, so that's the basic. So all of those, so place like five dimes, and of course, if you're going to sign up at Five Dimes, you should use fivedimes.in because that's my affiliate URL redirection, fivedimes.in. And then you can um, deposit Bitcoin, and then the Bitcoin is transferred into fiat value wh- directly when it's deposited. And then when you want to withdraw, then they turn it back into Bitcoin. Oh, and okay. they do- so it's the off-ramp yeah. and the on-ramp. Exactly, exactly. But it's like, you know, there's no fee to do that. That's just used as a payment processor, basically. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They just use that as a payment processor. And at those places, it has become the main way. You know, sports betting people know that now, you know. And now that it's legal, I don't even know what's going to happen. So I don't even know. So that's an interesting discussion about. Um, so now it's legal in the US. Um, is that going to make the offshore books close? Um, is that good for Bitcoin? Is that bad for Bitcoin? Um, some people say that's hmm. bad because now it's legal on mm-hmm. that hand. Yeah. But I think it has, uh, no effect or positive because what's going to happen is the, the States are going to have to figure out a way to, you know, to make money on this. Right. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to tax it or, and if they tax it, well, then that is going to be reflected in the odds offered. Right. Yeah. When I was, hanging out with my buddies in new jersey they were saying like i don't know exactly but they they were suggesting that the taxes were as much as like 14 percent. and if you're being taxed that way i mean basically what they were suggesting is the vig based off of taxes and stuff would be so high that like your odds of even like the not only does the house always win it's just like you never win <laughs> like it, right the, right well uh, the well, spread per- is like mm-hmm. crushed Right, exactly. Yeah, because this is a thing where, you know, people that are doing this, trying to make a living sports betting, um, 
are doing it on a small margin in the sense of, for the most part, in the sense that they have their, their win rate is like the target win rate is like 52%, for example. You know, that's mm-hmm. a, I mean, that's one that a lot of people just throw out because, but it depends of course, what you're betting, what the odds are, your average odds yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But let's just say, for example, yeah. So that means they have to have a lot of volume there. And that means that a small percent change in, in, in how much it costs to bet is going to make a big difference in the long term. So that just means that the offshores are still going to be in business. And that means that if any of these, um, uh, plebs, the new plebs that are coming in, um, that really get into it, they're going to be like, Hey, I saw better odds online. I'm going to go online. Well, how do I send money there? Well, they don't have PayPal. I'm going to have to use Bitcoin. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if they want to, you know, it's kind of like, you know what, you know what a good analogy is? You can buy crypto at Coinbase, but if you want to use um, high leverage futures, then you need to go to BitMEX or OKX or somewhere like that. And those are offshore. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a similar um, clientele, let's say. You know, you have this group and then you have like the guys that are like really into it. They're not going to use, you know, like probably not going to use FanDuel. I mean, I don't know the odds are off the top of my head if they're really competitive or not. But you see what I'm saying? They're going to use somewhere more suited to experts. Also, even if it's um, legal, makes sense. Um, I do Test, think it's, there? there's. I, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Hello? Cut out. Maybe it was me. All good. I can hear you me now. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think even if it's legal, one of the things that won't go away is like you know I, I went to the racetrack for my first time and I went there with a hundred bucks cash and I left with zero dollars cash. Um, <laughs> but like uh, my wife doesn't know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> now she does. <laughs> now she does. But uh, I could see still like there's reasons to prefer to use like because sometimes like oh, crypto yeah. for a lot of people is just like it's like mattress money. So right, right. there's there will always be a market for that. I definitely, would definitely, that's definitely an aspect of it. Um, yeah, it's of course you still have the same things you have with Bitcoin. It's private. I mean, it's more private than you know bank account credit cards or going somewhere to use cash because you have to actually go there, you know? It would be Maybe. interesting to know. I, mean, I imagine if you watch, like, the flow of, like, crypto, like, during ridiculous, like, ups and downs, it probably flows to, like, the BitMEXs for the 100x YOLO leverage. But then during, like, you know, flat line price, it might, like, start flowing back into betting sites or something like that. Uh, it would be interesting well, that's to... Funny. That's funny that you say that in this... In one sense, because that is one of the uh, ways that I expanded. Um, well, I started DGN Bet in sometime in 2016, some at some time. Because so I was like, you know what? I just want to make a blog with this. I'm just going to put my picks up there. Um, and I had a really old one just for my MMA picks, but it's like really embarrassing if I look at it right now. And uh, from even before crypto, and I was like, I want to make a new one. And it's just about sports in general. It's about all sports. And uh, and so I did that. And then uh, that was that is kind of um, how can I explain? It's kind of like a degen fix. 
So traders, so one, one risk of a trader is to overtrade, okay? Um, where, but if you can distract yourself um, or just occupy yourself uh, doing other things, like being productive and starting a vegetable garden or betting on sports, then, um, you know, then you, you're not overtrading. You're doing something else, even if it's just for small amounts of money. You see what I'm saying? So that can be a way for people that are like, you know, kind of semi addicted to gambling in the sense of either being in a crypto position, whether that's doesn't matter if it's leveraged or not, but you know what I mean? They're just like, Oh, I want to do something, you know? Well, then you mm -hmm. could also bet on sports. You don't have to bet a lot. You still have action. You see what I mean? It's still mm -hmm. fun. You could do it for fun or you could get into it and you could say, Hey, I can, maybe I can make money with this or, um, and, um, you can do affiliate marketing with it too. So, you know, there's something for everybody, <laughs> you know, no, I, I can see why you, know? you would get into it, but, but yeah. that feeling you're talking about, um, Personally, I don't really like the feeling of having a crypto position. Um, it stresses me out. Well, it's kind of like a roller coaster, you know? Yeah. Click, so click, 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 click. When you go up, it makes that. Click I, the sound, way I've, the, you know? the way that I mean, I just I, I sold into the um, the pump to the point where my money was off the table and the house money was left, and that changed my my ability to not care like once that happened i didn't have to have that feeling but i mean i'm glad i don't have that feeling right but so, I, I guess sure. i could see why people like it but my preference is to is to sell into the strength and to keep like a smaller position that is just like house money essentially i mean everybody has their own way you know yeah whatever way however because what i'm interested is, in and, yeah. and i think about this more than short-term stuff what i'm interested in is more like 30-year bitcoin because you got to think about like 1990 internet and 2020 internet those are world apart um and if that gap is similar with bitcoin as a technology like i want to i mean i don't know how anyone's going to manage to hold on to their bitcoin for that long but i want to try <laughs> 30-year Bitcoin, man, that seems crazy. But, hey, it'll get here faster than we know it, than, than it seems, right? It's about 10 years right now. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I don't. I think it's, it's going to be 30-year Bitcoin pretty soon. Yeah, right, right, pretty soon, exactly. Yeah. Sooner than you think, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think if you had uh, UTXOs, pre-fork UTXOs, and it's 30 years from now or 20 years from now to make 30-year Bitcoin. Do you think you'll be able to send that UTXO or, you know, you think the network will still be compatible with that UTXO? I hope what so. Degree, yeah. What degree of confidence so. I think do you so. have? Yeah. I think so. I think so. And I, it could be that you have to do something, though, you know, like update this or that or there's probably all going to be all kind of fix all kinds of fixes for that you know what i mean because like there's sort of definitely like some sort of recovery tool or something that transact exactly. that yeah. helps you get the old utxo but it does something to swap it to the new stuff exactly there will mm. be because there's definitely going to be a demand for that and there's going to be you know 
people that are motivated to develop it, even if it costs, a ser- even if it's a service. But I could imagine it being part of some kind of, I could imagine it being part of a client, you know, just a sub menu, you know, like old Bitcoin. <laughs> you have to like go into the sub menu called old Bitcoin or something like that, you know. You know what I want? As I, I want like a, I want a piece. I basically what I want is like a, uh, a good Trojan. I want a Trojan that I can put onto my computer that will like go and try to find all the private keys, <laughs> and like instead of robbing me, it will just like put it all in the address for me. It'll be like, oh, that that NEXT you forgot, it's right here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's I mean you know, so like find all the things that you hid from yourself basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I like I've downloaded cool. I've downloaded so many old like clients and stuff and messed around with so many things, and then you're just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> sure, yeah. And now with all these uh, fork coins like Bitcoin Gold or whatever, you know, who I, I mean, I don't know. What, I have no idea. Well, who knows what all that is out there. I insta sold the cash. I was like, "Free Bitcoin, let's do it, no problem." I didn't even think that. Um, and then the, but I haven't done any of the other ones because, basically, you know, Bitcoin well, gold is like what? It's like fifty bucks. It takes effort, um, and it doesn't seem like it amounts to a lot of money. So versus the risk, care about it, yeah. Yeah, versus um, the risk and the trouble, yeah. And it's like, what what exchange is actually trading like? Bitcoin diamonds, um, so on and so forth. Yobit, I'm sure has it. Yo yo yobit. Yobit, yeah, very uh, trustworthy. I'm sure, right? No, yeah. If anyone <laughs> doesn't know, Yobit is a funny altcoin exchange or shitcoin exchange, and it's like blinking all over the place, and they have like virtual pony races and dice and. It's it's crazy. I haven't heard of any exchanges getting hacked recently. Have you? Uh, I haven't heard of it. No, maybe they're doing a better job of covering up. <laughs> I love that. It's like let's not assume competence. <laughs> this is crypto, right? Uh, yeah. So there is a, there is a drama. There is a drama. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Oh, of course. I I don't know if it's related to hacking, but you could speculate. But probably something else. Uh, Wix. Uh, Wix exchange, which is X uh, BTCE. Uh, so I think it's W I X dot something. And um, right now, uh, you can only withdraw Tether. You can't withdraw hmm. Bitcoin. You can't withdraw crypto coins of any kind. And Tether is trading at like three dollars <laughs> because of the demand to get out. Tether's trading above a dollar? Yeah, like three dollars. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, this is, you know, this is kind of like Mount Gox and, style where you have like... The and there's no way to arbitrage it? Well, you can't get out. There's no way to Dude, arbitrage I mean, it because you can't like deposit Tether and then tr- buy a shit coin and then yeah, like, withdraw yeah, the shit coin, right? Right, right. exactly. Hold on. So that's happening right now? Well, you could do... Well, you could... Sp- you could speculate on it, um, on it uh, not getting shut down or whatever it is. Yeah, let me find. Damn it! What is the name of? That? I wonder what why they would W-I-X. select Tether. Uh, I think Tether ha- Tether has a kind of um, AYC built in. 
But maybe like, do they have like a, a big reserve of tether, maybe? And they're just like, because it's just an odd choice. Like, why just tether? I, I, uh, I don't know for sure. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't thought about that. Hold on, maybe I got the name wrong. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I like this though. I haven't heard anything about this. It's juicy. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, juicy, juicy info. Huh? Uh, while you looked that up, I remember a, a story from back in the day on BTCE when that was still a thing. Um, one time. All of a sudden, the, the trading pair BTC, um, I think pounds GBP, it just it just started tanking. I mean, it went like Bitcoin on their exchange went from like two hundred, three hundred dollars to like ten dollars. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so it, it's, I, I was it I got, trading down. Yeah, so I got it mixed up between Wix and Wex. It's W-E-X dot N-Z. And it even looks like the old BTCE. It looks hmm. exactly the same. You can look at it. Just has more trading pairs. So it even has the troll box on the right. So anyone that's wondering what BTC is, if you weren't around, was one of the most epic old um, exchanges. And probably um, is responsible for troll box culture in crypto i would probably say because i guess you could say irc uh you know definitely was around but it's my first experience of a troll box right i mean it's not this i see irc is not really the same as a troll box you see what i mean so yeah yeah it has so it's 100 percent my first experience of a troll box nowhere else was they saying that there's a troll box it was like that was the troll box yeah so in 2013, during the run-up, there was so much chatting in that troll box that it used to be that all you had to do was have an account to chat, and then they made it you had to have $100 worth of crypto to chat, and I think they even upped it to $1,000 at some point because the chat was moving so fast you couldn't read it. <laughs> I'm not joking. It was like... But I do remember... Kind of funny though that it did. They did have like, apparently somebody's bot was like misbehaving, and and it was oh. crushing the price of the BTC pound pair, and so I I didn't have any. I was like, oh, I want to like, I want some of that. I want some of this cheap Bitcoin. And I remember I did like this really weird trade where like I traded Bitcoin for Litecoin, which I which I could trade for pounds and i i was i managed to get like a 15 dollar bitcoin which was wonderful <laughs> but um the in the troll box this guy was like oh that's bill's bot and it's misbehaving i'll call him <laughs> right <laughs> it's so weird it's weird yeah what, per- what percentage of volume do you think on these exchanges is just all bots or like it seems like there's a lot of boutique gamblers i like this idea of boutique crypto but it does seem like there's a lot of manual like yolo bets happening but i guess maybe there's a, a, a large percentage is bots of course a large percentage is bots i don't i don't think it matters but yeah of course um to to market make and you know the the amount of you know market making companies hedge funds that are doing market making um is increasing and they're from you know the legacy markets from forex and and so on so um all right well this is a weird place to end theo but i think we're going to end here
but we're going to end here right now. And yeah. check this out. Um, we have made the Bitcoin price dump. So during our podcast, um, the price went from 7150 to 6713 So we did good. Oh. Well, I didn't expect <laughs> to have that power, but I'm glad we do. <laughs> okay, yeah. Some kind of ETF news, FUD, whatever is going out. People are like, oh, no. Shop for
Do you even see it? Do you see it? 